Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He's good. Hallelujah. He's got me covered in the front and the back and the right and the left. He's good. Praise God. Amen. We are working on a series from the Beatitudes called Be Attitude. What we need to be, some attitudes that we need to have from uh, the Beatitudes. Um, We are, what is this, our 18th, 19th year here? We've been here for a while and uh, just been here all our life, just quite frankly. But uh, I did. I, I keep a listing of, of series that, that we've done. Last count, I think it was well over 40 different series we have taught. And I, I love teaching series. I love preaching series because it lets me preach a little shorter for you rather than bringing the whole deal. Yeah, so... And uh, so I love teaching and preaching series, and I appreciate that opportunity to go through Scripture with you. Amen. The book of Matthew, chapter 5. The book of Matthew, chapter 5, and verse number 4. We're, we're in the Beatitudes, the part, the introduction of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Say that with me. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Hallelujah, Lord, we love you today. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercies. Lord, we ask that you'd help us tonight in this lesson. Help us, Lord Jesus, to feed your sheep in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. Amen. You can be seated. Everybody say, "Be be real. Be real. Some years ago, we had a person that we pastored uh, that come up to, to Sister Gill and I. Matter of fact, it's our first church that we pastored. We were young and everything, but this person come up to us and said, y'all just don't live in the real world. Y'all just don't live in the real world. If you lived in the real world, I wanted to say, well, what other world are we in? You know, that's what I wanted to say. But if there's anybody that lives in the real world, it's a child of God. This world is messed up. But there is a a place that God wants us to be, and that's a place that we can be real with Him. Real. I think sometimes there is a a, a big gulf between those that live real, and they tell you everything. 
that goes on in their life and they're being real with you. Then there are those that are on the other extreme that are being real fakes. They have got a, a, a picture that is rose-colored and everything's wonderful and everything's great. And there are times that we need to speak in faith. There are times that we ought to speak things as they can be with God in healing and deliverance. But I think one thing that's very powerful about the child of God, that the kingdom of God, is that you can be real and still be right. You can still be, you can be real and still have faith. You can be real and still not speak doubt and fear. You know, the world today is stuck on feelings. They're stuck on emotions. They define things by their fluctuating emotions. Just watch it. It just goes from one thing to another to define it by their emotions. We today, though we use emotions so much, we're not good as a world, as a culture, with dealing with our emotions. The same people that want to follow their emotions to, to, to what they want to define something are the same people that says, give me a safe space. I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe. What they're really saying is that I can't cope with this microaggressions. So the least little bitty thing that comes against them and their emotions, some people fall into a state of panic and despair over the smallest things. Here in America, we're so blessed, we have time to be upset over microaggressions. We have time to get upset over little things. But what I want to talk to you tonight is about tough times that are deeper. They cut deep. Not just simply because somebody said something against you or you felt like you were unsafe. And, but rather, there are times when we face hurts and pains that cause us to really just question our own existence and then say, how in the world am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through this? I'm not talking about being upset because I missed the Black Friday deal. But I, 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 I lost a loved one. I had a dream that I had that just got crushed by a circumstance I couldn't handle or or situations that come up, that, that uh, unexpected job loss, unexpected uh, pain and suffering and disease and, and heartache. There is a hurt that cuts deep. Anybody ever been there? You, you, those hurts that cut deep. Uh, there is a sorrow that's greater than stress. It's greater than stress. I'm all stressed out. No, there's sometimes that when you have an issue... You don't even have time to, to consider about stress. You're, 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 so, you're so dealing with this devastating trial or test that shake you to the core of your soul. I've watched the hypochondriacs. You may know a few. The poor me attitude of everything that they have in their life is a catastrophic tsunami. Everything. If you know somebody like that, don't raise your hand. But it's that poor me attitude that, that, that equates a broken shoelace with a broken marriage. How deep and how, 
How, and I realize there's some people that they live on that. That's their, that's their makeup, and, and I get that. But the morning that Jesus is talking about here speaks of a horrific loss. A horrific loss. It is those moments when you say, God, where are you? God, why did this happen to me? Why did you let this happen to me? And that, and, and, and that what some people say, it always mesmerizes me and, and, and makes me wonder, but there are the people that want to live their life away from God, and then when something happens, it's like, God, why did you let this happen to me? Where are you? There's those moments when we ask ourselves questions like this, will I ever get past this? Will I ever get past this pain? Will I ever get to the place where I will feel joy, experience happiness again? Heart-wrenching mourning. How can I stop thinking about this every day? How, how can I not be frightened about this and, and full of despair? I feel numb. I feel numb. How do I stop crying? This is the morning. How do I stop crying? My mind keeps wandering. My mind keeps thinking. Am I losing my mind? I feel like I am. Amen. These are the thoughts of those that are in deep mourning. How can I believe for a miracle when I hurt so bad? How can I say I'm going to be all right when it really is painful? How can I say that I'll come through this when it is really a, a, a struggle to deal with this loss? Amen. Will this pain ever end? That's the kind of mourning that Jesus is talking about. The Greek word here, uh, penthia, is the strongest Greek word for mourning and lamenting. It denotes a loud mourning, a loud lament, a severe loss, a painful loss. It is grief and sorrow caused by such such great events and horrific events that, that the word means manifested grief. It is grief so awful and so deep. You know, there's some grief that you can, you can mask from your family. There is some pain that you can hide from those around you. But this kind of mourning, this kind of grief is so possessive and so powerful that you can't hide it. You can't bury it. It just is beyond you to control your thoughts. The word is connected to weeping and mourning. It, it, it's, it's, it's connected to death and, and, and such sorrow and pain. And he said, blessed are those that have this. Wow. That doesn't make sense. Not to the human mind. Mark 16, Mark 16, verse number 9. And when, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, and out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that they had, that, that had been with him as they mourned and wept. That's the word. Jesus has died, and they're mourning and weeping and grieving beyond their control. <clears throat> it is also used for the condition of sin. 
In James chapter 4 and verse number 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And be afflicted and mourn. Mourn. I realize that repentance doesn't necessarily mean that, 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 that uh, there's an outward sign like somebody else that's weeping. But I believe that there ought to be something that grips the heart of the sinner when they realize the condition of their soul that makes them be overcome with grief and conviction and woe and say, I've got to do something about this. Be afflicted and mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. When you see the condition of sin, when you see the condition of the world, when you see the condition of the lost, there ought to be something that grips your heart and says, I, 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 I've got to weep about this. I'm concerned about this. Amen. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, quote, Let a man once feel sin for half an hour, really feel its tortures. And I warrant you, he will prefer to dwell in a pit of snakes than to live with his sins. If you look, at, look on sin without sorrow, then you have never looked on Christ. Unquote. When you see sin, when you see sin for what it is, no wonder the Lord said, blessed are they that mourn, that look at their life and says, this is awful. The word is employed by Paul to grieve over those in a local church who showed no repentance for sin. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 21, and lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall be well many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. He, the word here is bewailed, unless I, I, I shall bewail because there are many, I'll mourn, I'll grieve because there are many that have been lost. I want to say the pain of somebody backsliding for a pastor supersedes the joy of watching somebody get the Holy Ghost. Just being personal. The pain of watching somebody that lived for God and then walks out the door. The pain of watching because I, I, I want them saved. Somebody's got the Holy Ghost. I'll rejoice with them and I'll shout with them. But I will tell you, oh, that our heart would rend for the soul that is lost. That our heart would grieve and not just simply think about, well, that they'll, they'll be all right. No, if they do not know the Lord, if they have not been born again of water and the Spirit according to this book, according to this book, there ought to be something that grieves our hearts. We, we, don't, want, we don't want anything to upset our world, but the Lord said, blessed are they that mourn. Whether you're mourning about your personal situation or you're mourning about a soul that is lost, blessed are they that mourn. Happy are they that mourn. That doesn't make any sense to us. But what the Lord is saying here, blessed are the ones who are real. Blessed are the ones who see things in the real manner, that see things for as they truly are. Blessed. The Bible teaches us that godly sorrow leads us to the path of repentance. Far too many are attempting repentance 
without mourning, without grief. Look at, look at what David said. He, 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 he spelled it out for us in Psalm 51 and 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. Now, you've got to understand, what did David do? He committed adultery and he committed murder. The man after God's own heart messed up grievously. And he said, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to thy multitude of thy mercies, blot out my transgression, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. What is he saying? I am mourning. I am in mourning for what I did in the condition of my life. Would to God that there would be some conviction that would hit our world, that would hit our churches, that we would begin to say, I acknowledge my transgression. I'm not excusing my activity. Well, it was only one time, or, or this, this event lets me get by with it, or this situation, let no, I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me against thee. He said, and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and clear when you judge. Oh God, forgive me. Forgive me. Hallelujah. Would you let the Lord speak to your heart right now? Would you let the Lord speak to your spirit right now? Oh God. Oh Lord. I, 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 I may look like something on the outside, but I need to get real with you right now because you see me for who I truly am. Oh, blessed, he said, are they that mourn. Blessed are they that weep over their own condition because, he said, I'll give you comfort. I'll give you help. I'll give you solution. Somebody say, praise the Lord. That famous shortest verse in the Bible says what? Jesus wept. Those two words carry a weight of meaning and truth. He's not weeping over unbelief, but he's weeping over the pain that he sees that death brings. He sees the pain in Mary and Martha's eyes. Jesus didn't hide his grief. Listen to me, Jesus didn't hide his grief. How many know we all grieve differently? Don't rebuke somebody because of where they're grieving because you think that they're not grieving right. Let, let God work with their life. He revealed his love to Mary and Martha by his grief. Wow. He revealed his love by his grief. He teaches us that weeping may happen before a miracle happens. Weeping may happen before a miracle happens. So, dear brothers and sisters, if you're in a place of weeping and mourning, you're in good company. We're in good company. Thank you, Lord, for showing us that. The psalmist said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Luke 6 and 21, Luke 6 and 21 tells us, Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for you shall 
laugh. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Blessed are you that weep now because laughter's coming. Laughter is coming. It's not just a, let's get real, it's not just a life of mourning. It's not just a life of weeping. It's not just a lifetime of just constantly woe and trouble and how bad I got it. But if you'll let the Lord step into your situation, you can be real, weep now, but know that you need to be real and laugh later. Praise God. Psalms 116, I'm going to walk through some scripture with you tonight. Sister Shelley, good to see you back. I just initiated with you a bunch of verses tonight. Psalm chapter 116, verse 1. I love the Lord because he heard my voice in supplication, because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Woo! I'll call upon him. Then he said, here's the reason I call upon you. Verse 3, the sorrows of death have compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. You don't have to go looking for trouble and sorrow to find it. But he says, I found trouble and sorrow. Then, then, be real with God. And come before him, for he says, Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with me. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore, have I spoken, I was greatly afflicted. I'm real. He's saying, I'm real. Do you, you, you get that tonight? He's not putting on airs. He's not putting on fronts. But he's also saying, I went to the Lord, and the Lord heard me, and the Lord answered. Amen. There is a grief side. Yes, there is. But there is also a God side that if you mourn, it's not for a lifetime. It's not forever because he is going to show up. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall They shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. I don't know about you, but there are times that I pick up the phone and I want to call my brothers. And they're not there. They're gone. I want to call my mom and dad. I want to sit down and say, Dad, tell me one more time the stories. Tell me one more time about the miracles and the blessings, and let's talk the Bible. I would love to sit down and say, let's talk Bible one more time with him. Mom, I need a pecan pie, please. I I know that I really shouldn't be eating that, but I need that. Anybody ever felt that way? I thought about that tonight in in light of this lesson because... Raleigh May was sitting on my lap in the office, and I reached over. I have my dad's hat. I, I keep that by a picture of him I have in my office, and I 
reached over, put that on her head, and I rejoiced. Joy. You don't have to live in sorrow to be real. You can have the sorrow and mourn, but also get the comfort. Get the comfort. Get the comfort. Somebody say, I'm going after the comfort. He said, he said I'm going to send the comfort. Jesus said, I'm going to send the comforter to you. I, if, I, if, if, if you need, you need to be touched, then make sure you come. Man, if you were in sorrow Sunday night, you left here comforted. Comforted. Hallelujah. I was greatly afflicted, but something else happened. I went to the Lord. Somebody say, be real. Psalm 66 and 11 says, Thou brought us into the net and laid afflictions upon our loins. Lord, you did that. Lord, you did that. But did he not provide the fish for Jonah? Lord, you did that. Not every time is our grief given to us by Satan or even ourselves. Sometimes it's to cause us to run to him because the Bible said many are the afflictions of the righteous. Not a few, not just some, but many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord does what? Delivers him out of them all. Somebody say, I'm coming out of all of it. I'm coming through all of it. I'm going to be uh, in the comfort mode because he promised that to me. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise God. Sister Shelley, did I give you Psalm 30, 10 through 12? Okay. Well, you don't have to look it up. Let me just read it. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me, Lord. Be thou my helper. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into. That's a kingdom philosophy. That's a kingdom philosophy. That you can go through some deep, deep, deep things. And you can be in this depth of mourning to where you can't hide it. It comes out anyway. But it doesn't stop there because he will turn my mourning into dancing. And I'm not talking about I got to go to the bar and I got to go to the club because I need to get drunk and, and so I can have some dancing. No, they don't understand that, 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 that what the kingdom of God has is that there is a power of God's presence when he says, happy are they that mourn, they will be comforted. Hallelujah. It's not about Jack Daniels. It's about Jesus Christ. It's not about finding some outside source to help me. It's about I know where to go. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and gird me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I give thee thanks unto thee forever. There was a family that we know, they're, they've been pastoring for many years now. They were not a pastor at this time, but they had a tragic 
tragic loss of a child. There cannot be any greater grief that I could ever imagine. I, I cannot imagine any greater grief. But this brother walked into the church building and nobody was there. He relayed the story to us just in passing. He said he walked in and lifted his hands and said, the baby was gone. And he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what? The world thinks that would be a silly thing to do. But what he was saying is I'm real. Tears, real tears are falling down my face. But I've got a hope and a comfort that's greater than my mourning. That's bigger than my, my weeping. That's greater than my grief. Hallelujah. What would we do today if we didn't have that? How could we survive? I'm telling you, the world survives through a smoke and a drink and a drug and, a, and, and some, some kind of pill. They survive through illicit affairs. They survive. Amen. But you and I know the truth of Scripture, that there is joy for those that mourn, and there is hope for those that mourn. Happy are they that mourn. So if you're in a mourning season right now, Dancing coming, joy's coming, comfort's coming. Amen. If I didn't know that, I don't know how I could survive. But praise God, we know it. Woo! Hallelujah. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Comedian George Carlin is known for his dark comedy. He's the one that is accredited with this statement, life is tough, then you die. That sounded like a comedian I want to go to. Life is tough, then you die. What a bleak outlook. What a bleak outlook. I, I just don't know about people that that's what they're living. Life is, life is tough, and you do die. But can I put an amendment to that? But I have a comforter. But I have a hope. But I have a peace. But I have a strength. I could not buy. I have a joy that I could not get anywhere else. The world didn't give it to me. The world can't take it away. Life is tough. Hmm. You two about to get married. By the end, you say, after that pronouncement, that, that time that that pronouncement is made, and I'll present you as you're going to go from wedding bells to marriage bills <laughs> like that. It gets real, real, real quick. Can I get a witness from some of y'all been married for a while? Amen. Marriage is tough. It's tough. But why are all these folks that are married having a good time? Living, God, living for God, loving the Lord is because we know blessed are those that deal with the tough times because there is something that's going to help them get through that 
You need that in your life. If you're going to make it in this hour, this is a real attitude. It is a real attitude that doesn't ignore the morning, doesn't ignore the problem, doesn't bury its head in the sand like the ostrich, but it simply says, I know that I'm going to get through this. I'm going to overcome this. God's either going to tunnel away through that mountain, or he's going to give me a route around that mountain, or he's going to cause that mountain to just fall into the ground. Thank the Lord. There are times when our confession of faith doesn't match the reality of our circumstance. What do we do? Well, I know this, but I also know this. I know the morning, but I also know the comfort. Blessed are they. When you read the Psalms, where does somebody tell you to go if you need encouragement. Read Revelation. Lamentations. How about Jeremiah, Ezekiel, one of the minor prophets? Leviticus. But we tell people, go to the Psalms. Do you realize that one-third of the Psalms are songs and prayers of people in pain? One-third of the psalm. Somebody say, it's real. God doesn't shy away from that. He shows us. Look at Psalm chapter 6 and verse 2. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I'm weak. Just being real. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? How long am I going to put up with this? Return, O Lord, and deliver my soul. Will there ever come an end to this? O save me from thy, for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks? I'm weary. I am weary. I am weary with my groaning all night. Make I my bed to swim. He's talking about his crying and tears. That Whoever wrote that silly country western song didn't know, you know there's, there's tears in my ear while I'm laying in my bed crying over you. Something like that. If I misquote it, who cares? But he's, he said, my bed is... At night, I'm swimming in my tears. I'm grief. I water my couch with my tears. My eye is is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all my enemies. That's in your Bible. That's in your Bible. Job is in your Bible. Right? Why? God knows the human condition. God knows we're a messed up with all kinds of situations. He, he tells us, Sister Gill was sharing this with me. She saw somebody that had written this down. God told us to honor our parents knowing that there would be some parents that were worthless. God told us husbands to love our wives when, we, when he knew it was going to be hard God told wives, submit to your husband when they, they, they wouldn't be worth submitting to. 
Why? He knows the human condition. And unless our, our confidence is in God, unless our identity is in God and not in people, we'll miss it because if they're make, not making our uh, expectations match up, they're not, you know, well, you don't, you don't help me. I'm going to mourn. No, but there's a reality that we are frail people. We are broken people. But there's also another reality. And what is that other reality? There's hope. There's strength. There's help. In every situation. He said this in Psalm 69 and 1. Save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I'm weary and my crying, my throat is dried. My eyes fail while I wait for God. The Bible doesn't shy away from pain and suffering but rather it shows us that there is hope in that. Nothing happens to you. Let me remind you this. Nothing happens to you unless it first passes through the throne of God. Satan could do nothing to Job until it passed through the throne of God. God knows exactly what you're going through, and he knows the greater purpose behind it. He knows the greater... When you take your children to go get a shot, go see the doctor... You know what's about to happen, and they don't. And you know it is for their good. They don't. But when that child is getting that shot, and they're looking at mama screaming bloody murder, what, they, what does that child really say? What in the world are you doing to me? You know, and then what they do? They're saying that. That's at least what mama's hearing. They may not be saying a word, but they're crying because they're saying, why are you doing this thing? We know that, that in this situation, this is what you need. This is what you need. Somebody say, that's what God does to me. That's what God does to me. That's what God does to me. Oh, praise the Lord. There was nobody that went through a whole big bunch of stuff like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had even a thorn in the flesh that he prayed multiple times for God to take it away. I don't know what that thorn into the flesh is, so I'm just going to go with Bishop's uh, thought on this. Uh, Bishop, I love what he has to say about, about the thorn uh, that Paul no doubt remembered those that he had killed, persecuted, and that memory never left him. Can you imagine that? Every day thinking about that and asking the Lord to take that away. There would be no thorn like that thorn. In my, in my thoughts. But something changed in this man's life. And he saw visions. And he saw miracles. He saw incredible works of God. But then there's this thorn. He did incredible things. But there is this affliction. Super powerful ministry. Affliction. Great ability. Affliction. I've watched in my own family's experience, my mother suffered greatly with uh, female issues in her life. Her menopause was, was it, it was awful. I didn't know as a child what was going on. 
But I've watched my dad pray for woman after woman that the Spirit would reveal to him that there was a problem with that, and he prayed, and God healed him and never healed my mother. Blessed are they that mourn. He still got this. He, even when I don't understand it, he still got this. Even when you have the Apostle Paul that has such a great high ministry, there's still a thorn there. For whatever reason that God chooses to do that, we can speculate what the thorn is and we can speculate what the reason is. But what the Lord said is, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Can you shout hallelujah to God? Praise God. Can you jump to verse 10 of the 1 Corinthians 12, or 2 Corinthians 12? I, I gave you a bunch of verses, but can you just jump to verse 10 on that? He says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. I don't make it look sense, but he's doing real. Okay? In reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak... What is he going off of? What Jesus just said to him. When I am weak, then am I strong. At my weakest moment, he elevates me to the strongest of times. When you're hurting the most, he will come in and elevate you to the highest of joy and comfort. That's what the real reality is about when it comes to the kingdom. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Isaiah prophesied, and he said, Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Sorrow and mourning. Jesus said, in this world you have tribulation. He said, but be a good cheer. <laughs> That's the reality. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Let's go to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4. The landing flaps are down. The landing gear is down. We're about to land this thing. Revelation 21 and 4. Read this with me. Let's read it aloud. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. There is coming a day where there will never be another thing to mourn over. There will never be another pain to hurt over. There will never be even a reason to cry. So somewhere between here and there, somewhere in the rapture moment between here and there, somewhere in the twinkling of an eye, he's going to change the biological structure of my eye so that when I get to heaven, Brother Mike, I'll have no reason to cry, so I don't need tears anymore. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. Hallelujah. Let me just say, happy are they that mourn, for they shall be 
comforted. Would you stand with me right now and begin to thank the Lord for the comfort of the Lord, for the comfort of his spirit. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Hallelujah. You say, Pastor, that's not being real. Yes, I am being real. There is mourning, but there's also comfort. There is pain, but there's also healing. Oh, there is loss and death, but there's life and rapture and resurrection. Oh, praise be to God. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In his presence there is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. So when I'm mourning, I can't miss church. When I'm in pain and suffering, I can't miss church. I need to get into the presence of God so that I can find the joy that is in his presence. It's not just a little bit of joy. It's a fullness of joy. It's the fullness of joy. It's the fullness of joy today. Oh, praise be to God. Hallelujah. This is our attitude. This is our kingdom attitude. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody got somebody on the other side you want to see? Anybody with me got somebody you want to see on the other side? I don't know what it's going to be like. Amen. Either one way or another, I don't know. But whatever it is like, I want to be there. Whatever it's like, I gotta be there. I have to sit down, amen, some way, somehow, amen, and say, This is, this, this was pain yesterday. Maybe I won't even remember anything. So, who cares? Scratch that last three minutes of preaching. Who cares? I'll be in the presence of the Lord. This is worth living for. It's worth going through whatever you go through to spend eternity in the presence of God forever. The choice is this, either in the presence of God forever or in the presence of hell forever. I don't want to go there. I plan to go to the Lord and be with him in heaven. Let's love him one more time in this place. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.